Hello and welcome to the SSNC Alps Advisors 14er podcast. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, joined by my good friend, Rob McClure, Director of Research here at SSNC Alps Advisors, ready to provide the quarterly review from our multi-asset research team and the outlook for the upcoming quarter. Welcome, Rob. Nice to be back. Yeah, good to see you, Paul. Um, good to be with you again. Seems like it, it was a little less than three months ago that we got together, so um, time does fly. It sure does, and for those of us who are in the process of trying to build projects and trying to construct new initiatives, it does feel like the calendar can evaporate in a hurry, and you get all ramped up for a new year, and then all of a sudden it's April, and we're well on our way. And I think this year, if I'm not mistaken, has started out in terms of the relative sector performance, in terms of the market's overall performance, perhaps in a different way than your team was anticipating coming into the year. I don't think you're alone in that in that place, but could you maybe just give me a feel for what the macro backdrop looks like and what the biggest macro dynamics your team is focused on right now? Yeah, Paul, and just to, to your comment about the year starting in a in, in a way that's a little bit different than than we would have potentially expected. Um, I think it I think it's actually and, we, and when we get to the talking more in depth about equities, I think it's actually quite rational of the of, of what the market is doing. But um, I think you know from the standpoint of the macro backdrop, we'll continue to to be uh, taking a, a slightly different view than what the market has been trying to tell us since the year started. So just as a as a background a little bit of background or a reminder for those that have listened to us in the past, we look at uh four different cycles from from the macro standpoint. We look at liquidity, inflation, growth and profits and I'll take I'll take each of those in turn. Uh when we start with the the liquidity out there in the market, one thing that has been apparent and and it's Going up in the data is the Fed through its um, rapid increase in uh, the federal funds rate has it's had its intended purpose. The money supply has been shrinking for the past couple of months, and that's the first time that's happened in over 60 years. And, and so, you know, when you have a shrinking money supply, that's that's that tends to be disinflationary, which is good, uh, but it also should lead to rates. Um, on the short end, staying relatively higher for longer, um, and therefore the cost of capital being higher uh, than what we came to live with in the uh, uh, more easy money period. So, from a liquidity standpoint, you know it's essentially higher for longer in terms of the cost of capital. From an inflation standpoint, it's definitely slowing. But one of the things that we pay attention to is the sticky CPI. And those are the things that, that don't tend to change very rapidly and tends to be a pretty good uh, prognosticator of, of where CPI is going to be uh, in a year or so. And that remains relatively high. So from an inflation standpoint, we don't see um, the uh, headline number coming down to where the Fed wants to see it, uh, at least over the course of this year. So we'd say, you know, the, the Fed is likely to remain, keep rates higher for longer. Uh, and that's impacting the growth cycle, which is the third thing we looked at. And if you 
look at some of the indicators, obviously manufacturing services, PMIs, we, we look very closely at those. Um, those are rolling over and those tend to have um, a, a leading impact on the economy. And you also have jobs rolling over a little bit, which, you know, that's kind of what the Fed wants to see. Um, but you still have a lot of job openings out there. And then in terms of the profit cycle, this is one one thing is, as you know, for equity investors, that's going to be very important to keep a close eye on the earnings that we're seeing are actually holding up pretty well. And the and the some of the numbers that we've seen seen over the past week or so um, are better than expected. But that's due to a couple of things. Number one, revenue growth is remaining relatively strong, which is what we would expect in an inflationary environment. Uh, But margins are starting to roll over a little bit. So one of the things from an equity standpoint that we're going to keep a close eye on is uh, uh, those margins and, and, you know, how much uh, the increased cost pressures are, are going to impact those but we don't see margins uh, stabilizing right now. So in general, uh, relatively defensive, expecting slower growth uh, at the uh, at the very least. Um, camp is out as, whether or not, as to whether or not there's going to be a recession or a soft landing. But, uh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the, the, the way we're thinking is that things are slowing down. Okay, so based on our last version of this podcast and the last conversation we had here, it doesn't sound like much has changed. I mean, is that a fair assessment in terms of the quarter over quarter change in terms of your capital markets expectations and the general economic dynamics you're focused on? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a fair statement. Not much has changed. I think when when, when we get into the uh, some of the asset classes, there have been some some adjustments. Um, here and there, but in general, I would say that we we remain relatively defensive, and we're really focused on uh, cash flows in the here and now versus you know um, those cash flows that are coming far out into the future. So to put it differently, quality defensive versus a growth posture. Okay, well, I think that's a nice segue then into the individual asset classes. So on the equity front, it sounds like that defensive orientation is true at the sector level or from an overall equity perspective. Yes, exactly. And just getting back to one of your earlier comments about the market or the market telling us something different than what we might have expected early in the year. It's kind of interesting when, when we had um, the, uh, the short rates, on the yield curve were higher in the, in the, in the middle of the curve and, and, and out, uh, interest rates started to come down a little bit. And, and when you think about the way the market reacted in the, in January, February, March, um, it's actually pretty, pretty rational because if you have a longer term cost of capital, um, getting pressured down, that tends to benefit those companies that have longer duration cash flows. Um, we think that this is going to be relatively short lived in the sense that, that uh, because, you know, the Fed has been pretty forthright about their willingness to keep things higher for longer in order to tackle inflation. We we think that 
you know, Fed policy, between that Fed policy, valuations in the market and fundamentals, which, as I mentioned, margins are starting to roll over. Uh, we see those as headwinds, especially for the growthier parts of the market. Um, so, you know, in terms of equities in general, we would remain pretty defensive. Uh, uh, we very much favor dividend paying stocks, uh, companies that can grow their dividends over time. So think about sectors like staples, healthcare, utilities, you know, the traditional defensive sectors of the market. And those are areas where we can, I guess, kind of get paid to wait um, to see how this all pans out. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think most people associate defensive sector orientations with the shut segment of the market. So staples, healthcare, utilities, and, and what was telecom and has now been rolled up to communication services, which of course at the sector level makes it harder to play on that telecom sector. But I think the rates backdrop seems to inform a lot of your equity outlook. And so pivoting to fixed income, what if anything has changed from a fixed income perspective and, and how are you guys positioning in that asset class? So in terms of, of what's changed, again, very relatively consistent with the last quarter, but we may be a little bit less focused on very short duration fixed income. But if you think about fixed income as a whole, we have a, um, our, our fixed income strategist, Chris Proctor, has put this very well. We want to do three things in fixed income. Number one, we want to stay invested. And the reason for that is with rates moving up, um, fixed income is investable again. Um, and it, you know, a slowing growth environment does lend its, lend a good backdrop, you know, historically for fixed income investing. So we do want to stay invested. Number two, we want to stay protected. And this is a, a similar stance as last quarter, Paul, which is, you know, focus on shorter duration fixed income, as well as buying some insurance on the long end of the treasury curve in case, you know, the, the bottom falls out of the U.S. economy, in case something breaks. Uh, we, we like to have that insurance policy on the long end. So we want to stay protected. And then the third thing is stay flexible, which essentially means we need to be active. So we need to look to, to active management to, to guide us through this. Uh, it's, that's going to be very important, uh, in, especially in credit. Um, right now we prefer investment grade to high yield. Uh, but again, we're going to stay, we're going to try to stay flexible. So to, to kind of repeat myself, stay invested, stay protected and stay flexible. Yeah, I think that's nice and succinct. And, and the idea of having some insurance against economic volatility and or an economic downturn is in some ways counterintuitive because the the idea is that you're moving into longer duration securities because those are the ones that are likely to move if interest rates do decline significantly on the longer end as a result of contracting economic activity. And so um, in some ways, I think that's not necessarily the way people think about fixed income, your typical investor. And so very enlightening in that regard. And, and so 
Just to wrap up with the, the real assets and that segment of the portfolio, what, what is the perspective there? Again, what's changed, if anything, and, and what is informing the allocations within real assets? I'd say what's changed is that in – so we break down real assets into real estate and commodities. Uh, we're a little we're a little more negative. Uh, I don't want to say the word negative, but uh, we're we're going to go from neutral to underweight on real estate. And there's a couple of couple of reasons for that. Number one is as a broad stroke, real estate offers a lot of attractive investment characteristics, especially public real estate in the terms of you've got some equity and bond attributes. Um, and public equities have underperformed private equities pretty significantly. Um, I think it was about 3,000 basis points in 2022 that uh, the public REITs underperformed private. And you know, obviously both public and private are subject to the same fundamentals. So if we are going to be in real estate, we're going to be on the public side. Um, but in general, if you look at REITs compared to other asset classes, uh, most particularly fixed income, it's more than we're, we're currently more than one standard deviation expensive relative to both uh, investment grade and high yield credit. So, you know, from a from an overall portfolio standpoint, we'd be underweight real estate. But within real estate, we like public REITs. And within public REITs, we like those that have tailwinds behind their their business models, things like healthcare, storage, industrial, the warehouses, and and data centers. Uh, we'd avoid office. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the the troubles that that office uh, has, and and currently these these REITs are trading at significant discounts to their net asset values, but. We don't see a lot of favorable trends, and there's a lot of money that's going to have to be refinanced within uh, commercial real estate over the next five years. I think the number is around 2.5 trillion, with a T. So, you know, there's a, there's significant headwinds in commercial real estate, but there are pockets of opportunity, if that makes sense, Paul. It does, and and that was a really interesting look into a segment that I think a lot of people have secular allocations to because of the important role real estate plays in a portfolio from an income perspective and from a diversification perspective and tactically tweaking within the real estate market is certainly something that from a multi-asset research team perspectives um, we would advise and and there's a number of ways to do it and on the private versus public debate we've heard a lot about that we've talked a lot about it our own internal Real estate specialist Carl Zeller has done a tremendous amount of work on that. So just to round out the real assets category, could you maybe put a bow on the commodities category? Because that's a place that a lot of investors come to us for our insights on. Yeah, I think from from the last time we spoke, we don't really have anything um, uh, changing from an outlook standpoint. We're neutral on the asset class, but in the near term, that's mostly due to recession fears, but uh, very constructive on, on commodities over the long term. Uh, and that's given uh, the significant supply constraints within the, the uh, commodities um, asset class. And so 
again, neutral, short-term, constructive, long-term. Within commodities, we're, I'd say that we're most favorable around energy. Um, we've seen CapEx ticking up across the commodities complex, uh, but there, you know, there is still some significant supply constraints within the energy sector. Um, and you're not going to see a lot of investment in natural gas uh, capacity. We see, we've seen what o- OPEC has done recently with their cuts to production or their announced cuts, cuts to production. And so you still have those supply issues and, and, uh, we're, we're optimistic about energy relative to the rest of commodities. But in general, because of recession fears over the near term, we'd probably stay, you know, market weight commodities within an allocation. But over the long term, I think the uh, uh, the commodities market should provide some reasonable risk adjusted returns. Great. And as always, Rob, tremendous insights, very informative. And I hope everyone listening got as much out of this as I did, because I always learn so much from the research that your team does and from our multi-asset research team's ongoing research efforts. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us once again. This has been the SSNC Alps Advisors 14er podcast with an outlook for the second quarter of 2023 directly from the director of research, Rob McClure. Thank you so much, Rob. Great to be with you, Paul.